From WDBM, East Lansing. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. Our weekly news and storytelling program. Made by and for the students of Michigan State University. You are listening to The The Undercurrent. everyone and welcome to The Undercurrent. You're listening to Season 12, Episode 6. I'll be your host, Sophie Sagan. Today we have stories about fitting in and not fitting in, but mostly about finding your place, whatever that means to you. First, we have a story by Cole Tunningly. He recently sat down with the Refugee Outreach Collective. Then a creative piece about community. And finally, I put together a story about Rebecca Lynn Douglas, a local author. Without further ado, I'm going to throw it to Cole. We have six chapters in Michigan, so like on Kalamazoo, Michigan State, um, Western, Grand Valley, Adrian, and there's another one somewhere in there. <laughs> but, That's Alyssa Abdenor, president of the MSU chapter of the Refugee Outreach Collective. They're an organization founded in 2016 that does outreach and relationship building with displaced communities. Um, our group focuses on... Um, helping resettled families in the Lansing area and abroad. So we abide by humanitarian policies, and we really try to make a difference like locally and globally. The MSU chapter started as another group that Alyssa belonged to. The group that I was originally with was called No Lost Generation. And after talking with the president of ROC, which was Emily Warline, she began the entire Um, organization from Kalamazoo College, her freshman year of college. And after talking with her, we decided to merge the group. So we brought, well, ROC was already a organization on campus, but what we did was we merged the two groups to form like one larger campus because we had the same mission. Abdenor was inspired by an experience doing service work in Palestine. Well, my parents and grandparents aren't refugees. They did come over from a different country. So when I was in my sophomore year of college, I decided to go abroad to Ramallah, Palestine, and like do a service project there. And while I was there, I visited refugee camps. And I never realized, like, I mean, it's hard to care about something that's on the other side of the world. So when I actually went and saw it with my own eyes, I was like, okay, like, I have to do something for like the people like back home too. So this was like the perfect opportunity to help the people not only like in Lansing, but also like across the world. The ROC doesn't do any one specific thing. Their goal is to simply make the U.S. a more welcoming place for incoming refugees. They have a wide variety of programs, fundraisers, and more, all related to this mission. Yeah, so we have a ton of different opportunities. So for anyone that, um, anything that they want to do, we're able to incorporate. So we have volunteering aspects where we're actually trying to start a program right now to get students to go and help in twice a week in recently resettled homes. So what they would do is like go and help like translating English or helping like families like work a microwave because they're so new here that they don't know how to even work appliances. We have a partnership with the Refugee Development Center. So we always like try to send students over there to help with ESL programs or with um, like tutoring kids. 
Another part of their mission is to educate the community. The ROC wants to teach people that concentration camps do not belong in healthy, functioning societies. They want to undo a normalization process that has allowed people to treat refugees like they're less than human. Yeah, so one of our main parts of our mission is to educate um, the campus. So, and anyone who else wants to attend our meetings. But so part of our meeting, half of our meeting, is usually to educate about a certain refugee crisis going on and to just talk about like the global migration crisis in general and to talk about how um, all these displaced individuals and their circumstances, like it's not uncommon, but it's not okay. So it's a normative concept that we're trying to eradicate because, I mean, no one really deserves to be kicked out of their homes and forced into a new country. The one thing I do want to emphasize, though, apart about education is the fact that a lot of people don't understand that refugees and asylum seekers are legal in the United States. So these are people who have been given that title and they're allowed to be here. A lot of people confuse that with illegal immigration. And that's where like the club actually gets backlashed because they think that we're supporting illegal immigration. And that gets into like this whole political thing. And we're like, no, like we're just trying to eradicate refugee camps and displaced individuals. The mere existence of this group is enough to anger some people. I've gotten emails after sending a mass email to the school saying like, oh, join Refugee Outreach Collective. And then we'll get emails back saying like, no, stop supporting illegal things. Like, And you could just tell that there's like this lack of understanding on campus that like what a refugee is and like even about the refugee crisis in general. A lot of people don't understand what a refugee is or even how many refugee camps there are in the world. There's a lot of confusion about why refugees are forced to leave their country or why they come here. The media spins false narratives, claiming that they're coming here to steal jobs or live off our welfare. These lies purposefully obscure the fact that refugees have traumatic, dire reasons for leaving their home countries. Mostly it's war or very little opportunity. So... Um, for example, we did a fundraiser for the Lost Boys of Sudan. So the Lost Boys of Sudan were these refugees, and they were from South Sudan. <laughs> and they came to the United States in hopes of finding jobs and um, better opportunities so that they could send money back to where they're from and to support themselves. Um, and you can just tell that they had a really, really tough time transitioning. And not only that, but they came from like a place of trauma. They, I remember like watching one of the documentaries and they were talking about that, like the entire time that they were like escaping from their home country, they were like being chased by lions, like out in the, like they went through so much and it's so crazy how you think about that in comparison to your own life where like I know my biggest thing right now is like my MCAT score. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to get involved with the ROC you can go to one of their meetings every other week in Wells Hall room A116 at 7 30 p.m. For Impact Student Radio I'm Cole Tunningly. This next piece is brought to you courtesy of reporters George McNeil and Taylor Halterman. George collected the audio and Tay edited it into what you're about to hear right now. Well let me tell you what community means to me. 
because that is a good question <laughs> indeed. <laughs> hey, everybody, this is George McNeil reporting on behalf of WDBM. You're listening to The Undercurrent. And today we're doing a little bit of field reporting, just asking people what the word community means to them. Community is inclusivity and feeling like you belong to a thing that is bigger than yourself, but you still have your own place and you know where you stand and you feel like you're safe and in a welcoming and positive environment and that you have room to grow, that you're not limited by your community or like the space that you're in. You know, communities are what define your identity and and what f- helps form it. I am part of a group called MSU Telecasters, and um, I think that that is an interesting um, perspective of a community because there is MSU Telecasters, which is the studio that houses a bunch of different shows, and then each show is in itself their own community. Like, there is overlap between them, but it changes the dynamic of the group when you're with different people from the different groups. On campus, I'm a media and information major, so I'm part of the Com Arts community, and I take a lot of pride in that, whether it's the game development side or the film side, which I'm more a part of. But I'm really proud of all the amazing creative work that we do here at Com Arts and at MSU in general. I'm also part of the theater community on campus, and that's a really uh, personally enriching experience. Uh, I've had a lot of met a lot of really wonderful people and had a lot of really great experiences through that as well. From being part of the theater community, I've really gotten this feeling of welcomeness and family that uh, a lot of other places don't really have. Um, I've gotten a similar thing from my friends at Telecasters, which is a wonderful organization on campus. I encourage everyone to check out. It's a film production group. But just these groups where these people who have a shared interest come together, set aside their outside differences, and just learn to work with each other and appreciate each other. And it's a really familial organization and group. And all I think a lot of groups on campus are like that. And I guess beyond that is just the friends that you meet, whether it be in classes or through social interactions like on campus. It's always interesting to think about how you create your own community without necessarily being a part of something at first. Like, you're not going to be friends with everyone in your class because, like, I feel like that's just a little weird. Like, you just don't, I don't know, especially if you're in, like, a 300-person lecture. Like, it's a little impossible to do. But when you do make those friends and then just kind of become a bigger collective group of people, it's a little bit interesting and a good time. On an individual level, I'd say that I really just made a lot of really great friendships that I think will last me a long time, like my buddy George, who works at 89FM. You are listening to The Undercurrent on WDBM East Lansing. To close out our show, my story about a local author, Rebecca Lynn Douglas. She wrote a book. It's about salad. I hope you enjoy it. It's a quiet morning in Rio Town, a neighborhood south of downtown Lansing. I can hear crickets and critters making noise in the grass, and colorful curtains hang in the window of one of the houses that I pass. Potted plants line the porch of another. This morning, I'm here to visit Rebecca Lynn Douglas. 
I make my way up the steps and knock on the door. Here we are. Rebecca opens up. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Come on Good. in. Thank you. I met Rebecca a couple years ago when I was interning at a nonprofit in Lansing called the Refugee Development Center. Rebecca was one of my supervisors, but lately she's been focusing on creative projects. And in fact, she recently released a children's book, which was the reason for my visit. Do you want to just like tell me about the book? Like what <laughs> is it about? Um, so it's a children's book, but I write books, I think, for people. And if they happen to be young, they can still appreciate it is kind of my approach. <laughs> so um, this one is called Salad. I wrote and illustrated it. It is a story about vegetables or salad ingredients. And it kind of starts off by describing each of the ingredients. And they're all kind of vegetables. And then we reach a slight caveat with the tomato, who is not, in fact, a vegetable, but a fruit. That's kind of the first little point of conflict. It's small, and then everyone gets over themselves. More ingredients are added, and the salad characters fight about it at first until they realize that they are each unique and bring something special to the table. Obviously, Salad the Book is not just about salad. It contradicts that old melting pot analogy that many of us learned in school. The one that says diversity is cool because even though we're all different, we just become one when we live together. But maybe that's not the best way to look at it. Later in life, I started to hear this rhetoric about um, the melting pot is wrong. The melting pot talks about assimilation, which is not a, an accurate representation of uh, our communities. It's better to use the analogy of a salad which um, is then kind of little bits that are mixed together. And what I love about a salad is that, yes, you can eat all these different things separately, and, and in many cases they're quite good, but there's something about bringing them all together that just makes everything better. And as I myself, having been an immigrant, um, there was kind of a heaviness on my heart to push inclusion and to challenge this idea that the different was bad um, and that new was wrong. When she was very young, her father accepted a fellowship position at Michigan State University. The transition was less than smooth, and to this day she still feels very connected to her birthplace. I was born in Namibia, which is a country in southern Africa. Um, that is where my citizenship is from. Uh, my family is South African. Uh, my, my father was born in South Africa. My mom actually was born in Zimbabwe. Um, my family's been in Southern Africa for about five generations, and so um, pretty well rooted and established in Southern Africa. Uh, and I, so a, a part of my identity, a part of who I am, is that I'm Namibian and I come from this country. I remember we arrived, it was November 30th, we arrived around midnight. It was colder than I ever could understand cold could be, um, and it really wasn't that cold. <laughs> That's like, in retrospect, I'm pretty sure it was like maybe freezing. Um, but it was very cold. We didn't have winter coats. Um, I was very little. Um, I went to an elementary school in Okemos. Um, I had no friends. <laughs> it was not fun. Um, and then we moved back. To make a long story short, her family moved back to Namibia after their first immigration to the U.S., and then they stayed there for a little bit, 
but ended up coming back to the States again after her parents were offered positions at the American church they'd been attending on their first trip over. Once she was back... And I had a funny accent, and I came from a country that most people couldn't pronounce and most people had never heard of, and many people didn't believe existed. Um, Also, I was white, which was very contradictory to anyone's understanding of Africa as a continent. Um, And so I had a, I, I actually had a shocking amount of people tell me that I was not, which it's always very jarring. I don't, it's, a, it's a unique experience to have someone ask you, where are you from? And then to tell them and answer that question and then have them be like, no, you're not. And her struggles with inclusion peeked through in her storytelling. Yeah, so it was just kind of these weird dynamics that I grew up in. And I think moving back and forth and kind of being in these different situations, I was always aware of being a little bit different. I think... I just learned how to embrace some of it and just kind of navigate other parts of it. It just, it, it kind of shaped who I am and some of the stories that, that I want to tell and that I want to share. Because there is, there's a, a difference, I think, even between being okay with being different and, and having it be celebrated. Like, that's a, it's a step up. So, yeah, so celebrating that diversity. Fast forward. She's settled in Lansing now and very invested in Rio Town, that neighborhood she lives in. Over the last year, she renovated a home there, and she currently sits on the board of the Commercial Association as the Business Development Committee Chair. She's put down roots. She's invested in Lansing, in Rio Town, in herself. But that's not to say that her past is ever going to fade away. It'll forever be a part of who I am. And I loved, I loved that element of, like, it's like a, it's like an ingredient, um, but it's not the final product. But back to the book. There's something in it for everyone. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we all feel like outsiders from time to time. And what better way to celebrate that than with some rhymes and some puns? Like I like the one about the tomato, where it's, so each each ingredient is being introduced um, in the first few pages, and then it says, and then there is tomato, she's juicy, red, and cute. She hangs out with the veggies, even though she is a fruit. Um, and then she says, I am a fruit, I'm filled with seeds, don't treat me like a leper. Because when you think about it scientifically, so are apple, cuke, and pepper. Uh, is, you know, and so the friends all made their piece a salad sure to please. But wait, who's that? It cannot be. Is someone adding cheese? Um, in the last pages, just cheese cubes with really cheesy grins. <laughs> For Impact Student News, I'm Sophie Sagan. And that's it for our show this week. Thank you to reporters Cole Tunningly, George McNeil, and Taylor Halterman. Also to our station manager, Olivia Mitchell, our general manager, Jeremy Whiting, and our programming director, Amber Knutsky. And as always, thank you to you, the listener. Thank you for being a part of our community. We love you. And we thank you for listening. This has been The Undercurrents.
You've been listening. You've been listening to, to the, the undercurrent. Undercurrent. The undercurrent. From WDBM. East Lansing. <laughs>